0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com.
1: Happy Sabbath. And Happy New Year. And Happy New Decade. How many times can we say that all of those three? No, not many times. This is certainly a unique Sabbath for all of us. I'm excited to be here. And um, well, it was interesting that we did sing a Christmas song and we still have some decorations of Christmas. And you know that Epiphany is the Monday. You know, by this time the Magi have made their way all the way from Ur of Chaldea to Bethlehem because it takes quite a while to walk that way. We're going to talk about that uh, the other route that Daniel did early, I mean later in my sermon today. <clears throat> what is this? Bible. It is our textbook, right, as Christians. In your bulletin, <clears throat> we're adding something new. Besides the pastor's pen that actually describes the sermon in a nutshell, we're going to provide you with something. Because, see, this is very important to us and for us. God has given us His Word for a purpose. And in these last days, it's very important to know it. And um, while I was at re- It Is Written Recharge, I found this in... in great material on bible trivia and i said "Boom! we're going to use this five questions every sabbath and if you know the answer you don't have to say it out loud just email myself lightyourhope at gmail my email is in the bulletin for those of you who are watching online If you know the answer of these questions, email me. And at the end of the year, we will have prizes. How about that? Engaging us to study God's Word. Question number one, Mary and Martha lived in where? Jerusalem, Capernaum, Jericho, or Bethany? Question number two, the book of Colossians was written by Paul, John, James, or Luke? Question number three. Haas and Buzz were the nephews of which Old Testament patriarch? Isaac, Abraham, Moses, or Jacob? Four. The fourth book of the Bible is what? Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, Ruth. And question number five. Who appeared with Jesus when he was transfigured? Moses, Moses and Enoch, Moses and Elisha, or Moses and Elijah. Well, now I would encourage you to look and study the Bible, not ask Mr. Google for your answer. <laughs> now, but even with that, even with that, you know what I have found as a teacher, and teachers do find that even students who cheat, they actually do the work and they get it. So regardless of how you do it, if you find the answers, please email me because I'm going to count them. You know, we'll compute these answers for the course of this 2020. I hope that this will be a habit changer year for us. And for those of you who would like to get a new perspective on study the Bible, on reading the Bible, that's why we printed these Bible reading plans. There are four or five types of uh, Bible reading plans. One is historical that plainly goes from Genesis to uh, um, Revelation. Then we have the Old and New Testament together. If you write to uh, read Old Testament in the morning, New Testament at night, that will be the plan for you. Uh, The third uh, uh, Bible reading plan is a blended plan. Uh, yes, it, it is with the New Testament, but it's 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 organized in a different way that provides a, a, a traditional sequence to it. Uh, and then uh, the one, the last one is the life journal. Uh, this uh, is a little more intense. Uh, this reads the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in one calendar year. So anyway, anything that fits your reading style or your desire of reading and knowing the Bible, God's Word is our textbook. Please make use of them. And for those of you who are watching online, you can go to our website, www.friendlychurch.com. We will have links there, I understand, for these Bible reading plans. Oh, in in your inbox email that comes, you know, the announcements that come every Sabbath at 1. Follow them there. You can print them for yourself or just, you know, some of you are just digitally inclined to just use the digital electronic uh, uh, format. So you're welcome to do that there too. Let's see.
0: We've seen a lot this year hatred and division, acceptance and hope. We've met new people and said goodbye to others. We've seen war and violence and experienced love and peace. We've seen controversy and we've seen community. But the one constant, the one thread running through it all, has been Jesus. He has never left us never forsaken us. He's the same today as you. We've seen a lot this year, hatred and division, acceptance and hope. We've met new people and said goodbye to others. We've seen war and violence and experienced love and peace. We've seen controversy and we've seen community. But the one constant, the one thread running through it all has been Jesus. He has never left us, never forsaken us. He's the same today as he was yesterday. In our darkest moments, he was our light. In our deepest fears, he was our confidence. In our victories, he was our strength. In our failures, He was our grace. His love for us has never failed. As we begin a new year, let's make it our mission to be more like Jesus. To love more, care deeper, stand stronger, serve passionately, share constantly. May our faith be more than a title. May the very fabric of our being be consumed with Jesus. This is our calling. This is our mission. This is a new year.
1: Well, this is our new year. And I should say, this is another year with Jesus. Because Jesus was with us. King David said, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, like The children's story today could have been worse. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. When the waters would have overwhelmed us, the stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be The Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who have made heaven and earth. And you guys just saying his name is wonderful. His name is Jesus. If he had not been the Lord who was on our side? Can we have, by any chance, the PowerPoint today? Yeah? Later? Okay. Let's work. Oh. Oh, it's here. All right. All right. We just read Psalm 124. I don't know about you, but I can only speak for myself. If he had not been for the Lord on my side, I would not be here standing today. It is through the Lord's mercies, Jeremiah writes, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. It is because of His mercy and grace that we can enter a new Decade. It is only because of his compassions. And guess what? Verse 23 says, They are new every morning. His compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let's come to him in prayer this morning as we embark on a new journey, a new year, a new decade. A new sermon series. Let's pray to the Lord once again. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning. Knowing that you have provided for us. That you have taken care of us. And now we want to open your word. Lord, you have put this series in my heart. And you have brought it to me unexpectedly. Lord, I know someone will benefit from it. And I pray that you will open our hearts. And that the seed of truth will be planted there. And bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scott Helton asked a question. What is the current world situation telling us? The insanity of the current world situation is telling us we cannot wait for change. It's up to us, he says, we must radically change if we are to survive. Nation at odds with other nations desecration of holy things, education without God in it, unhealthy diet, compromise and corruption, misconceptions about health, anxiety, sleeplessness and fears, scientists and astrologers take over, unrealistic expectations, rules made based on fear, instant gratification, Humanistic solutions, anger taking over the mind and the men. Lord have mercy. Suspicion on religious biblical things. A world full of secrets, confusion, powerlessness over circumstances. A different worldview than God's people. Arrogance, pride, and self-exaltation. Accusations against God's people, rage, anger taking over, exalting self above God, haste to do evil, unreasonable laws, fear, trouble, and anxiety, false interpretations of God's word, unexpected conversions, parties, drunkenness, ignorance, and disrespect of holy items, sexual immorality, Fear, confusion, and anxiety. Enigmas and lies. Rebelling wittingly against God. Corrupt politicians. Wow. Neurological stress. Prophecies fulfilling. Sincere seekers of truth. Constant physical and spiritual battle between good and evil. And looking into the future for solutions. You may say, Pastor Marius, where did you take those? Where do you think I look to take those? It's not hard to look around, right? And find things like this. Do you feel like living in an insane world? I know I do. But these descriptors easily describe the world we live in. But if you paid attention to them, there's some references. I went through the entire book of Daniel and looked for things that are not normal, that may look insane. My friends, all these descriptions that we thought describe and do, they do, they really do describe our insane world. They actually describe the world in which Daniel the prophet lived. I was reading to the book of Daniel as Pam and I were studying for our Sabbath school lessons. And then I read an article, another article in the ministry magazine. I've got it right here. It's written by Dr. Torben Bergland, our general conference doctor. He is the health Health ministries, associate uh, director of health ministries at the general conference. And he is a doctor-psychiatrist. And he wrote, I was reading, and I was like, Man, this could be a title for a series. Oh, wait a minute. This could be the series for the first quarter. Staying sane in an insane world. Wow. My friends. If you're feeling that you're living in an insane world, that's our area. You're not alone. I feel the same way. And what's really fascinating is that Daniel really, truly lived in an insane world for his time. The question we'll raise through this series is how to live a sane world healthy life amidst an insane unhealthy corrupted and compromised world and each sabbath this quarter we will study when I preach and I'm teaching here we'll be looking at one aspect of Daniel's life that will give insight and instruction how to stay sane in an insane world today Let me introduce you to Daniel, the prophet. How many of you know that we have a book in the Bible called Daniel? Daniel. It's a great book. It contains historical and prophetical material in it. We're going to deal with practical stuff. Today's sermon is Practical Foundations. He was born into an upper-class Jewish family living in Palestine around 622 B.C. Raised and lived there for about 16, 17 years. He lived in the kingdom of Judah right there. At the, that's the northern kingdoms, the ten tribes of Israel. And this is the kingdom of Judah. His family was a royal family belonging to the tribe of Judah his parents did their best to instruct him in the way of the Lord they even sent him to the school of the prophets that prophet daniel prophet samuel started he was trained in all the laws of moses but the laws were not what interested him most what was really into what he was really into was the almighty awesome god He is the creator. He is the one who gives lives. He is the one who sends rains and stops the rain. He is the one who appoints kings and allows them to be removed. God is in control of everything because he is God and there is none like him. Daniel knew this. See, when little Daniel grasped this concept of God, life was not problematic for him as it was for those around him. And there were rumors that Egypt is going to be taken over by Babylon. And that news really terrified his family because Egypt is at the south of Judah. So for Babylon, who is right here, we'll see it in just a minute. For them, in order to to go and take Egypt, they were to conquer Judah as well. As Daniel was growing up, he could hear God's prophet calling for repentance year after year. Calling people to repent and turn back to him, to God, and faithfully worship him. But nobody seemed to listen. Judah, as nation, placed their trust in Egypt. It seemed a bit funny to do so because long ago the Israelites came out of Egyptian slavery and now they were just about to go back. But one, as as things developed, the Assyrian Empire was getting weaker and weaker. And they heard rumors. That's the Assyrian empire right there. It was getting weaker and weaker. And this is Babylon right there. And this, uh, as they were getting weaker and weaker, people knew that when the Assyrians are over, Babylonians are going to direct their attention south and go for Egypt. And as I said, in order to get to the Egypt, they will go through Judah. So it happened between 626 and 612 BC as Daniel was just a few years old, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, crushed what was left of the Assyrian empire and became the founder of the new empire. We call it new or, or Neo-Babylonian Empire. In the, meantime, in the meantime, God's prophets kept warning people to let go of their allegiance to Egypt and surrender to Babylon. and that way, there will be no more casualties, and God will take care of them. But in the third year of Jehoiakim, you will find that information in Daniel 1, verse 1, king, the third year of king of Judah, Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who was the son of well, he was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king then, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Well, why it happened? It happened because the Egyptians lost the fight at Carchemish. And then the Babylonians went down and went to Judah. And since there were no former Egypt allies and they did not surrender to Babylon, the Israelites became the direct target for Babylon. They didn't do much damage the first time around, but they took some of the vessels of the house of God and brought them to Babylon. They also took forcefully... That is, without their willingness to go. <laughs> they didn't volunteer. It took Daniel and his friends with them. They grabbed them. They took them by force away from their family and away from their country. It took uh, and, and as they were preparing to leave for the long walk, they were going to walk from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon as they were preparing to go for that long walk. Nebuchadnezzar got word that his father died on August 15. It took that runner 15 days to come from Babylon to Jerusalem. But the captives... And, and, and what happened? because. That's the route that normally people would get. That's on a fertile crescent called. People will go, and that's how Jerusalem did. That's how the the Babylonians with the captives did. They took them by the way of Samaria all the way to Carchemish, down to Babylon. However, this right here is a desert. That's the Arabian desert. So, um, Nebuchadnezzar with a fast fleet took off and made it there in less than two weeks to Babylon. The rest of them took the 1,000-mile walk. How about that? A long, long way to walk. And because the afternoon heat was intense, Babylonian soldiers will blow the alarm very, very early in the morning. And... uh, they went out that fertile crescent. As they were coming closer to uh, Babylon. Um, the terrain became plain. It was a fertile plain. But it was very flat and boring. And farmers in the fields will stop and look at the, uh, the caravan of captives and soldiers... And they will wonder what's going to happen with these hostages. They travel at a speed of about 15 miles per day. So it took them about two months before they caught the first glimpse of Babylon's skyline. Daniel was tired and somewhat he was intimidated by the magnificent entry gate of Ishtar. Wow, what a world for the Jews, a people who are agrarian and pastoral people. This was way too different of a life. And it was a life filled with uncertainty. What will be next? Where will they work? Where will, where, what will they eat? But as soon as they arrived in Babylon, all the hostages, captives and all, they were brought in the presence of the king and his, his wise men, they got them into a triage-like process. Their men of wisdom came and examined them in all sorts of activities from mental to physical and spiritual. And Daniel was so glad when the results came in and he and his Three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were all together. And they learned that they were going to be sent to the king's college. And that sounded exciting. Daniel was one that always wanted to to know and know more and have knowledge. But as they arrived at the college, king's college, they soon or quickly learned that their life Will never be the same. They needed to figure out how to stay sane in an insane world. And that's what we're going to do it for the next following sermons. We will look at one aspect of Daniel's life, how they figure out to live a sane life in an insane world. But today, when I, when I think of the current situation of the world and us, Christians. Christians living in the world. Followers of Jesus living in the world. Disciples of Jesus living in the world. When I think of this, I can't stop but think of Jesus' famous prayer in John chapter 17. When he actually prays for his Disciples, Including you and me. He said, I do not pray for these alone. Referring to his 12. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. His disciples living in the world as a result of their testimonies. We are his disciples. And here is what... Jesus prayed for. Well, I just read that to you. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And here is how this looks in practice. I have asked Pam to help me out And we got here a big picture. And what's inside is water. Water represents the world. But see, Jesus has his disciples in the world. And uh, I've got here three disciples from Family Dollar Store. Or Dollar Tree Store. So I'm going to... Make them go into the world and see what happens. These disciples. Let me see what happens. You tell me if you see anything special. What is going on? That's what it should be. Can you see it? I hope you can see it on the camera as well. The yellow part is the oil who refuses, that refuses to unite and mix up with the water. How is that? That's the law of nature. And if you would uh, if you really want to take this to the next level, we, we got too much oil here, but if you, if, you, if you do it in a smaller container and you drop in food coloring, what will happen? It will go right through the oil into the water. You stir them. Okay? If you play the devil to stir the world, make it insane. When you stir them, what will happen is it will color, it will stain the water. But the oil will separate again and stay intact. That's what Christ was praying for. That's what Christ was praying for His disciples, for you and me living in the world. That the devil will have no effect over us. That we will remain faithful To him even though we live in the world just like we will see the example of Daniel later in the series now the question is how can we stay sane in an insane world first and foremost we need to remember who we are we need to remember our identity Stephen Covey said the true identity theft is not financial, it's not cyberspace, it's spiritual. It's been taken. We live in a world where identity theft is rampant. And I know some of you work in IT departments for several companies and that's your job day after day to keep the criminals away. Every year, millions of people have their personal information stolen by criminals. However, millions more are affected by an identity crisis. Who are you? What is your identity? People are trying to figure out who they really are. Do you know who you are? See, if we know who we are, the illustration I just presented to you makes sense. But if you don't know who you are, it will be almost impossible to stay stay sane in an insane world. There are two extremes people live in. On one hand, they let their identity defined by others or by things. And on the other hand, they let their identity be defined by their feelings and their past. Let me explain. Letting others define who you are could be defined by your parents, by your parents' expectations. Sorry, Dad, I did not make it to be a nurse. That's what my father wanted me to be, a nurse. Do your parents have expectations of you? Or defined by your siblings' achievements? My brother does that, or my brother has that. Defined by your peers' accomplishments. How many of you have gone to a school reunion? Not many of you. Some of you. Those of you who have been there. You know what I'm talking about. You know what the questions the questions are asked, right? Or maybe you're defined by things. <clears throat> well, defined, yes, by, by, by things. By your occupation. By your degree of education. By your bank account. By the way, those two kind of define your status in the world. And by what you have, right? Car, house, possessions. Are you defined by... Other, others or other things. In counseling, we call that other esteem rather than self-esteem. You know, Henry, no said spiritual identity means we are not what we do or what people say about us. And we are not what we have. We are the beloved daughters and sons of God. And no one is right. The Bible teaches us that you and me are made in the image of God. Genesis 1:26, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. But that image was marred by sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, the devil fooled them to believe that their identity is not complete. In fact, immediately after they sinned, do you know what was their first feeling? What was their first feeling? It's in yellow right there on the screen. Shame. After the devil tempts you and makes you sin, he infuses shame into your mind to believe that you are your sin. That you are your mistake. To believe that you are your past. But my friend... That is the devil's lie. You are, your identity is in Christ. Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you've been bought with a price? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. The price Of Jesus' life. My friend, you are not who others say you are. You are not what you have or don't have. And you are not your past mistakes. If you surrender your life to Jesus today, you are a new creation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8.1 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 My friend, in order to stay sane in an insane world, you need to know your identity. You need to know who you are. You are a child of God. You are blessed, you are loved, you are accepted, you are redeemed and forgiven. That's the spiritual side of things, how to stay sane in an insane world. Dr. Berglund recommends a few things on the physical side and here is what he recommends. In order to stay sane in an insane world, you need to sleep seven to eight hours every night. You need to exercise a minimum of 30 minutes five days a week. You need to drink plenty of water or only water. You need to eat nutritious and healthy food and rest daily and weekly. Set aside time for recreation, quietness, and reflection. Set appropriate boundaries and be temperate and moderate. Know yourself. Here's what he recommends. I know he is a doctor psychiatrist, but that, that, that helps. Write your life story and talk with someone you trust about it. And uh, deal properly with the thoughts and feelings that come. Do not run away from them or deny them. Then he recon- uh, rec- recommends, you need to connect with others, cultivate close, loving, and supportive relationships within and beyond the family boundaries. Live, practice compassion, forgiveness, kindness, and gratitude towards others and towards yourself, and finally, live. For something and someone. We learned that in Joshua's men. That means know your life purpose. Knowing your life purpose gives meaning to your life. Knowing your life purpose makes your life. It simplifies your life. It focuses your life. And knowing your life purpose prepares you for his second coming. And knowing your life purpose helps you live sanely and healthy in an insane world. That's what Dr. Torben Berglund recommends in order to stay sane in an insane world. And uh, by the way, in case you didn't get all that list, you can see me afterwards, or we can put a link on that too on the internet. What I suggest when I counsel people, I say you don't have to take anything out of your life. But what you can do, you can take one, you can take, you can add one, two, or three simple free things to yourself. Well, how much does it cost to sleep more? Right? It doesn't cost much. Water is basically free, right? Drink water. And it doesn't cost you any to go, any penny to go for a walk. So, do it. I forgot my clicker. Do it the painter's way. And Steve, our brother Steve here could tell you. You know, I I learned this from painting our guest room this past week. See, the guest room was formerly a girl room. And the color of the walls was pink. Now. Calvin comes to stay with us for the first time this coming week. He comes tomorrow. And we didn't think that pink, pink walls will, will be so much appealing for him. So we decided to change the color of the wall. Now, what did I do? Did I scrape off the old paint, the pink paint off the wall? No. That's not how you do it, right? That's not how you do it. Our brother here can tell us. What I did, I began to paint around the door frame. I began to paint around the window frame and then in the corners and by the ceiling. And then I started rolling. And I started, I added new color to the wall. And bit by bit, in a few hours, voila! The room looks like new. My friend, you don't need to turn your world upside down to make a change. Just add one or more healthy items into your life and practice them until they become habits. That's how you stay sane in an insane world. May 2020 be the habit changer in your life. Amen.